are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to who? It was wonderful. And might I add, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos, and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, at LockedOnDiamondbacks for the podcast handle on both Twitter and Instagram. Now, for today's show, we're going to, of course, start off with those hot stove rumors. It's the winter meeting, so a lot of stuff is going on in baseball, but one thing, one team that's not being involved during these winter meetings and free agency in general is, of course, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They just refuse to give us a whisper, a rumor. Just tell us someone you're interested in, please. Us fans, we just want to know. But again, the D-backs are just toying with us, and we still don't know anything about what they want to do this free agency. But still, we're, we're, we're going to have something to talk about. We're going to look at other teams' rumors. And there was some D-backs news today regarding the minor leagues, so we'll get into that. And don't forget, we're doing the countdown Courtesy of Steve Gilbert from MLB.com, the biggest moves in Diamondbacks franchise history during the winter meetings. We're going to be looking at number four today, so that's going to be real fun to look at the fourth biggest move in D-backs franchise history. I think you're going to be uh, elated to hear about this trade that the D-backs did. And for those of you who couldn't pick up on it, that was sarcasm because this is not a trade you're going to be happy with once you start reminiscing about what happened that day. But first... If your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in the age range, this is your spot. Plus, I'll read to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. All right, let's jump right into it. And before we start off with those hot stove rumors, I did mention some news about the D-backs minor leagues because they, you know, they added a new minor league affiliate today. They added the Amarillo Sod Poodles as their double-A affiliate. So no more do they have, uh, they have no longer the Jackson Generals as their double-A affiliate. Jackson Generals were with the D-backs from 2017 to 2019, but now they got the Sod Poodles, and the Poodles were the double-A affiliate for the San Diego Padres, actually. So it's kind of fun to take uh, this minor league team away from the Padres, but D-backs, they're getting this new double-A affiliate, but still, they're keeping the Reno Aces, their triple-A team, they promoted, they promoted another one of their minor league affiliates, the Hillsboro Hops. This team used to be part of their short season single A affiliate, short season single A affiliate, but now they get promoted to single A advanced Northwest League. So a nice little promotion for them. And then the longest tenured affiliate by the D-backs, 
the rawhide, visibly a rawhide of the single A California League. They're being renewed. They're coming back. So four organizations total under the D-backs name, Reno, Visalia, Hillsboro, and then of course the major league level of the D-backs. So only adding one new affiliate, promoting another, and then re-signing a couple more. So some structuring changes going on with the minor league system, not just with the D-backs, but across baseball. We know that they're adding new minor league teams. They're reaching out to some other independent baseball leagues and they're trying to see if they want to become minor league teams for some of these major league franchises. So a lot of movement going on right now in minor league baseball. But let's get to some more interesting talk and let's get to those hot stove rumors because, well, I guess it's heating up, not for the D-backs at least, but I guess you know, hot stove is heating up for the other teams across baseball. So let's just run through the top rumors of the day. And I would have to say the biggest news of the day when it comes to free agency today was that the Mets are getting close to free agent catcher James McCann. And this is the news of the day. I don't think this is something that's really earth-breaking. Not earth-breaking, groundbreaking. Earth-shattering, I should say, because James McCann, a really nice catcher, about 31, 30, 31 years old, all-star in 2019, but... Is he someone that's making me scared that he's coming to the National League? Is he someone that I have to put a notification on for John Heyman or whoever breaks the story so I know exactly when McCann signs on the dotted line? No, because it's not that big of a deal. Signing a catcher who's going to play about 115 games for your team is not going to be make or break really uh, and catchers are important in baseball but it's not a position it, they're, they're not the most important position in baseball and they're probably not even as important as they were 20 30 years ago maybe even longer so i still respect the catcher position but most catchers in baseball today are just not as impactful there are some really elite catchers buster posey in his prime was really an elite catcher joe mauer in his prime was really an elite catcher jt real Muto is a free agent right now he's an elite catcher and james mccann he's a really good catcher he's a guy that i would love to have on the d-backs roster but he's not someone that i have to sign if i'm a a gm he's not someone that i'm scared of if i'm someone in the met if i'm in the nl east you know if i'm one of those nl east teams like uh like the braves or the nationals i'm not looking at what the mets are doing and saying dang they just got james mccann i don't know what i have to do now to make up for that because i don't think just signing james mccann is increasing the mets odds that much of making the playoffs winning the world series i think it does help but i don't think it's moving the needle dramatically so i like james mccann he's coming off a great 2019 season his 2020 was pretty good too so very good back-to-back years and he's a good catcher he's just not something i'm getting super excited about another rumor the White Sox might not be done yet. We know they traded for Lance Lynn. They just signed Adam Eaton yesterday as well. But now the talks that the White Sox might be going out there and getting Michael Brantley, maybe add another starting pitcher. And they're, they're all in uh, potentially on these closers as well. Liam Hendricks, Brad Hand, Archie Bradley, Mark Melanson. You can name them all. The White Sox want to get some back end of the bullpen depth. They might want to add another starter to their rotation, and they're not done adding to that outfield. And we know that they're linked to Michael Brantley right now, but some people believe that they have a chance at George Springer. Now, if the White Sox get George Springer to that lineup that they already have, to that rotation that they're building, the White Sox are going to be nasty. They were a team 
entering this postseason that I thought I had a great chance of making it out the American League and getting to the World Series. I really loved that White Sox team all year, and I thought it was disappointing what they did in the postseason. So I like most of their moves. I don't love the Adam Ian signing, but I do love trading for Lance Lynn. I think he's a stud who's a little bit older. He probably has two more good years left in the tank. So I like that as a win now kind of move. And if you could add a Michael Brantley or George Springer, it'd only make you that much better. Buster only, he believes that Trevor Bauer could be a potential priority for the New York Mets. Now, I already mentioned earlier how the Mets are, you know, in line to sign James McCann. They're expected to, but nothing official yet. But the Mets could be in line to sign Trevor Bauer and they might sign George Springer. Buster only thinks he could get both of them. And if that's the case, if the Mets leave this offseason with the two best players, the, the best position player and the best pitcher on the market, then the Mets won the offseason. I don't know what those deals would look like. They're probably going to have to overpay, but the Mets would walk out of this offseason as winners for now. And of course, we won't know how it impacts how those players play and impact the season until we see it, yada, 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 all that future BS talk. But still, they walked out the offseason with George Springer and Trevor Bauer. You have to be excited as a Mets fan. And that Mets rotation, if they did add a guy like Trevor Bauer, it, it would be a lot better considering you would have Jacob deGrom and Trevor Bauer as your number one and number two starting in your rotation. I mean, I don't know if there would be a better one-two in all of baseball. There definitely probably is. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. I mean, the Dodgers have a pretty good number one and number two as well. And there are probably some other teams I can't think of at this moment. But those two at the top would solve a lot of the Mets problems maybe put David Peterson as your number three starter and then they have to figure out the four and five Steven Matz was awful in 2020 I don't think you want to go with Michael Waka Rick Porcello is just a bum I'm sorry I, I don't think Rick Porcello's that great of a pitcher he used to be a really good pitcher but I don't think he's that anymore so for the Mets if they could add a Trevor Bauer to that rotation that could really use it that would be huge and then we know with that Robinson Cano suspension, that saved them like $25, $20 million, something crazy like that. And the Mets outfield is something that, you know, doesn't necessarily scare you. Jeff McNeil, are you scared about him? I mean, he had a pretty good season in terms of hitting the ball, but not a ton of power. Brandon Nemo, I thought he had a pretty good 2020 campaign, and so did Michael Conforto, but all three of those guys are really nice, good players, but if you're telling me I could get a guy like George Springer, I don't think the Mets are going to hesitate for that kind of opportunity. And then the last big rumor of the day that I think is notable is the Blue Jays might be in on Francisco Lindor. Right now, there's some rumors that the Blue Jays might go out there and try to acquire Francisco Lindor, who we know is probably going to be the Mookie Betts of this offseason. He's going to be the superstar that gets traded for no dang reason because there's no reason for the Boston Red Sox to trade Mookie Betts. He's in my eyes, the best player in baseball, and he's a guy that you drafted, that you developed, and he was winning MVPs in World Series, and then you decided to move him. You don't trade guys like that. I think it looks bad for your franchise in terms of the fans' perspective. It's like, why would I stay invested in a team that doesn't want to keep their best players? And also, it just hurts your team when you get rid of one of those guys. They don't grow on trees, and you're going to try to trade him to get bad prospects that you hope turn out to be like the guy you just traded. So to me, it's just a cyclical cycle. It doesn't really make any sense. And 
Lindor, a 30 home run guy, guy that bats you around 280, gets on base around 350, uh, OPS above 800, steals you 20 plus bags, elite defender. The man does it all. And the best thing about Lindor, he doesn't miss games. Played all 60 this year. He only played 143 last year, but he averaged, he played 158 in 2018, 159 in 2017, and 158 in 2016. So he's missed like 15 games over the last five seasons. So a guy with that kind of consistency that's an MVP candidate, a gold glover, a silver slugger, just given a guy that could rack up all the awards and accolades, he's a superstar. And he was, he is someone that I would. Love the D-backs to go out there and acquire, but we know just like Mookie, uh, just like Mookie Betts, they're gonna want to get paid. They're gonna want a massive contract, and there's no chance the D-backs hand out a deal like that. So, no chance that the D-backs are even in play for a guy like Francisco Lindor. All right, we'll look at number four, the biggest move in D-backs franchise history during the winter meetings. But first. I want to talk to you guys about uh, talk to you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is back, more improved and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors: caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. Now I'm a health conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can, and the reason why I love Built Bars is because it tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar, but in reality, I'm eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch, so you will get 20% off your next purchase if you use promo code LOCKEDON. That's 20% off when you use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Let's get back into it, back on the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. And of course, you didn't go anywhere. So let's look at number four, courtesy of Steve Gilbert, the top five moves in Arizona Diamondbacks franchise history during the winter meetings. And this one happened seven years ago to almost the day, December 10th. Today is December 9th. The one we did yesterday on yesterday's pod was December 9th. So we've just been a day behind looking back at these moves. And if you want to see yesterday's move, or not see it, but hear about yesterday's move, it was that Yasmani Tomas signing back in 2014. If you want to hear my reaction and breakdown to yesterday's, uh, to that move back in 2014, go listen to yesterday's pod. But for today's pod, December 10th, 2013, let's go on a time machine, the fourth biggest move in D-backs franchise history during the winter meetings, and you guys are going to remember this one because I actually remember this one, and I have a terrible memory. Terrible memory. D-backs acquire Mark Trumbo in a three-team deal, and they traded away Adam Ian to the White Sox and Tyler Skaggs to the Angels. Now, people didn't like this move at the time because Mark Trumbo was a first baseman, and he was your low OBP, high slugger, kind of first baseman, and the D-backs were going to try to make him play the corner outfield, and we all knew Mark Trumbo couldn't play. We all knew he was awful defensively, and it actually looked even worse than uh, we expected, and 
Mark Trumbo didn't last very long for the D-backs after having a after having back-to-back 30 home run campaigns with the Angels, was even an all-star in 2012. He had by far his worst season with the D-backs in 2014 with only 14 home runs. 2014, 14 home runs. And the reason why the D-backs did this was because they felt like they needed another power-hitting slugger in that middle of their lineup. And this was a D-backs team that came off back-to-back 81 Oh, win seasons in both 2012 and 2013. So it's kind of like heading into the 2020 season, back-to-back years of being competitive. You want to go out there and make a move during the offseason to help uh, get you over the hump. And just like this past offseason with the D-backs signing Madison Bumgarner not working out, this Mark Trumbo trade didn't work out. And he was awful with the D-backs in terms of playing, being on the field, and with his health. He only played 90, he only played, excuse me, 88 games in 2014. OBP below 300, which is just disgusting. And what they gave up. To get Mark Trumbo, they gave up Adam Ian, who they felt like was a casualty because they already had A.J. Pollock and some other outfielders on their roster. So they felt like they were good. They felt like they could move Adam Ian and put Mark Trumbo in their corner outfield because they thought they had enough depth in their center field spot. But were they wrong? Mark Trumbo didn't work out. And in 2014... D-backs finished in last place in the NL West, just like they did this past season, 2020. So it's very reminiscent. And even though Mark Trumbo didn't work out, I, I don't think they gave up a ton to get him, honestly. I mean, people look at Adam E and they say, yeah, he really worked out for the White Sox. And that's true. He went on to, you know, be a 300 level kind of hitter, get on base about 36% of the time. OPS just a shade under 800. He wasn't a big home run guy. He was only around like 12 home runs, 14 home runs, but he, he would get a lot of triples. Led the American League twice in triples during that time, and he was an elite defensive center fielder to about 2015, but I don't think Adam Ian's a guy who's making me scared or making me regret that I traded someone. I mean, if you thought we were getting a guy who was a 30 home run kind of guy, Mark Trumbo, then I think the deal's a lot closer than we think. I think because Mark Trumbo was so bad with the D-backs, we think, oh, just an absolutely awful trade. And D-backs probably shouldn't have tried putting Mark Trumbo out there in the outfield. And he probably wasn't a player you should even try to target. But I don't think moving on from Adam Ian was something that, I don't think that was the bad part. I think going after Mark Trumbo was the bad part of the deal. But I think if you got back a better player than Mark Trumbo, I think it would have been fine giving up Adam Ian because this is the guy. Are, are you scared of guys who have 12 home runs, 12 stolen bases, and get on base a decent amount of time? No, he, he's good at getting on base. He's a good contact hitter. He'll got you. He'll get you some pop, get you some stolen bases, but he's not scaring you. He's a good player, but he's not a great player. So seeing Adam Ian go really didn't really affect me or make me feel like the D-backs just got fleeced. And they also gave up Tyler Skaggs, who... Rest in peace to him. We all know about his tragic backstory, but if we're being honest about his career, it wasn't like he was a dominant pitcher. He never had an ERA below four. His whip was a 1.3 for his career. Strikeouts per nine is only 8.2. He dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career. Only pitched more than 100 innings twice in a season. So people thought Tyler Skaggs was a real up-and-coming pitcher for the Angels for years, and he just never really materialized into a stud and if you're telling me the best player in the deal is Adam Ian then the whole deal really isn't that impactful and it's really 
not that great of a deal overall. So for the backs, yes, it was a bad move because you got back a pretty bad player who never really helped your team and you ended up being in last place and you ended up trading him uh, to the Mariners just the, that, that second season in 2015, you ended up trading him. So it wasn't like the D-backs gave up a lot and I still don't think they gave up a lot because Skaggs never really materialized into anything. And, that, and Adam Ian, he's a nice player, but he's not a superstar outfielder by any stretch of the imagination. If, if, it, if you told me that outfielder they gave up turned into like a George Springer or something, something of someone of that level, then I would be like, yeah, they really missed out. But Adam Ian, that's not one I'm regretting. And Mark Trumbo actually, after he left the D-backs, he went to the Mariners, as I just said, in 2015. And then he signed with the Orioles in 2016. And, or he didn't sign. The Orioles traded him to, uh, the Mariners traded Trumbo during the offseason to the Orioles. That 2015 offseason, they traded him to the Orioles in 2016. He had a great year in 2016. His OBP still wasn't that high, only 316, but 533 slugging, OPS 850, and he led the American League in home runs with 47 bombs in 2016. A real stud that year, even won the silver slug. So Mark Trumbo always had that potential to be a huge home run kind of guy, but he never did it with the D-backs. And because of it, the D-backs never won any games in Mark Trumbo, and they were in last place in the NL West with Mark Trump because of how bad he was both offensively and defensively. And right now, the D-backs look like they're scared to make more moves during this offseason because of that massive Bumgarner signing last year. But the D-backs could just tell me a free agent that they're linked to that they might be interested in. That will make me more than happy. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow because we're going to have the Locked on Mets host. Ryan is going to be joining me to talk about the Mets offseason, their new ownership. So it's going to be a fun one tomorrow. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. And don't forget to subscribe, as always, to the Locked on MLB podcast hosted by my friend Paul Francis Sullivan. You can call him Sully. He's covering all major league teams, doing a great job at it. And as always, everyone, as I always say, even if I already said it, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!